This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, it's the Liverpool Echo's Blood Red podcast. I'm Matt Addison with Paul Gorse, Theo Squires and Richard Garnett, all with me for today's show. Liverpool won the FA Cup, of course, on Saturday and such is the fixture schedule. We've already heard from Jurgen Klopp again since then for another pre-match press conference ahead of the visit to Southampton. Let's dive into the FA Cup final first, though, Gorsty. You were there, of course. Costa Simicas with the winner for the Reds at the end. The perfect end to another gruelling game against Chelsea. But, of course, now the second Cup final Liverpool have played this season and the second trophy already up for grabs. Yeah, the Master Cup double, which I think has, has gone under the radar slightly because we're still talking about potential quadruples and Liverpool going for the <clears throat> Champions League and trying to make it maybe a treble if they just miss out. Um so I, I don't think I don't think that should be overlooked, the fact that it's a domestic cup travel. I don't know how many times it's been done, but I don't think it's been too many. Um certainly Liverpool's for God. I haven't even checked. I'd have to go back and check that, but I can't remember the last time. Was it 2001? Treble season, mate. It's got to yeah, be the treble season. 20, 21 yeah. years. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, we, we spoke about it on the pod on Friday. Didn't we? we we expected it to be a tough game. Um, Chelsea, oh, for me, the, the third best team in England behind Liverpool and, and Man City, and, and it's kind of played out in the league. as They just haven't been able to con- you know, get their, those levels of consistency that are needed to, to post a 90-plus season. But on any given day, they can match, certainly match Liverpool. They've done that four times now, in all honesty. You know, they've played over 400 minutes and they've yet to be, um, you know, every every game's been drawn. Liverpool have needed penalties twice to settle it. But crucially, they have settled it and they have come out on top in both cup finals. So, yeah, it was a, it was a tough game. Uh, Liverpool, I thought, were the better team, particularly... You know, in the final 20 minutes and the opening 20 minutes, um, Andy Robertson should have put it to bed with that wonderful best move of the game, wasn't it? From front to back, side to side, Milner put it on a plate and he hit the post. But generally, I thought Liverpool were worthy of the win. Um, but it was always going to be tough, particularly with um, Chelsea looking to avoid that record of, of now being the only team to have lost three FA Cup finals in a row. They've got a lot of issues behind the scenes with the sanctions and players about to leave. Um, so they were looking for an FA Cup to kind of paper over a lot of cracks. Um, and they give it all, all they had, to be fair to them. And Liverpool just, as they tend to do, came up on the right side. Um, so, yeah, a lot of tired legs, one or two injuries, muscle injuries, minor problems. But the 2-2 draw at the London Stadium on there suddenly means they've just got to go again, haven't they, tomorrow night at Southampton. So, uh yeah, the big games just keep on coming and um, I am looking forward to uh, June, if I'm, if I'm being honest, because uh, it's been a long old season for, for us covering it, so I can only imagine how hard it's been for the players. But this is why you're, uh, you get into football, I'm sure, to be chasing these big trophies and massive games at the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a bad position to be in, is it, Theo? It's obviously a domestic cup double now that we've already sort of mentioned, but there's been a bit of criticism in the past for Jurgen Klopp not taking these cups seriously, not giving them the respect that they deserve in some people's words. But nothing's really changed, has it, apart from the fact that Liverpool's squad has got a lot stronger. And I suppose the fact that Costa Simicas was the match winner is probably all the evidence you need of that. Yeah, that's true. I think um, he's used 31 players in the the FA Cup this season and we've seen debuts 
for a couple of youngsters. Obviously, when they started this cup run, uh, is when the squad was riddled with COVID. So it was a very uh, different eleven we saw out against Shrewsbury Town. But in both domestic cups, he's rotated his side this season. It's what Jurgen Klopp does, but it's not disrespect. It's just Liverpool have got a very strong squad, and it's about giving these players game time. As Gorsty said, like he, we're knackered just covering this. So how do these players feel when they're going to be doing 63 games this season? And it's the same for the League Cup. But these players who even not start in the final, they played a big part. Minamino's leading goal scorer in both domestic cups at Liverpool. Um, maybe the cup runs have been a bit kinder to them this year. They've not just been facing Chelsea or City or United in the earlier rounds. I think they've only, what, under Klopp had a couple of lower league teams, really, um, that have been knocked out to. And that might have been Wolves who won promotion a couple of years later. So they've always had really tough cup runs under Jurgen Klopp when they didn't have the numbers in reserve. But now they do, and it's helped that they can make five substitutions in these competitions as well. We saw that in the, the League Cup quarterfinal where they were 3-0 down. So um, he starts Cometio and a couple of the kids. Oh, we might need a bit more. Let's throw on uh, some of the senior lads that are half. I think he did that in one of the FA Cup games as well when Max Waltman started. So it helps having all this added depth. And it's amazing how one signing can make you realise actually Liverpool squad is a hell of a lot stronger than anyone realised. And that's Luis Diaz, who was superb again, by the way, at Wembley against Chelsea. But when you put that along with all the players coming back from injury, but the fact that the three lads now who've got these knocks and maybe a doubt for Southampton and Wolves, it's the first time we've had multiple injuries for a long, long time, um, which we never thought we'd be able to say 12 months ago. So it's all coming together nicely for Liverpool at the right time. You need a bit of luck to be able to compete for multiple trophies. And that's what they've had this year. But it's about far more than luck as well. This Liverpool team is extremely gifted. And when it falls for them, they can challenge for a quadruple. Who knew? Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, before we come on to a, a few individual performances, Richard, you were there in the, the Liverpool end as well. What was what was that like? I know you were there for the Carabao Cup final as well, so it was a, a double for you as well as for Liverpool. I think you might be on mute there, mate. Apologies, Unlike the Liverpool yeah, end on Saturday, you could say. Uh, yeah, I actually missed the Carabao, um, but I was there, yeah, I was there on Saturday. I actually... Um, Actually, found the atmosphere was a little bit different to um, your, your your standard uh, high-profile Liverpool match. I thought it was a little bit tense. Um, good, a good start, obviously. Uh, and when you make a start like that, you think to yourself, "Yes, you can go on and win this." But obviously, the longer the, the game draws on, uh, you start to get a bit worried that things might start going the other way. And of course, as soon as you get into a penalty shootout, it's just a bit of a lottery. But uh, obviously. Alisson making those two saves is, relieves a little bit of pressure on you, even with the man I miss. Uh, but yeah, I thought I thought it was quite tense throughout, and there was a little bit of relief at the end. And of course, the scenes the scenes at full time were uh, uh, pretty phenomenal. I, I had my son there with me uh, on Saturday as well for his first, his first not his first trip to Wembley, but his first cup final, uh, and he brought a little bit of luck. So so that you know that was a, that was a nice thing for us both as well. Um, but yeah, I thought before the game and that the the atmosphere uh, was pretty good overall. Obviously, the Chelsea are a bit of a different animal to Manchester City in terms of the of the fan base and um, uh, um obviously being a London team as well. But but generally things uh, from from what I saw were, were pretty good and uh, obviously just relieved to have the win. And uh, it, it, it's quite exhausting, isn't it? You know what I mean? You think oh, you're nearly at the end of the season, yet you've still got two absolutely enormous games to go. Well, three matches, but 
but obviously uh, uh, the season Premier League season finale and and then the Champions League final in Paris um, could do with a few days off in between. I think. Yes, absolutely. I think we all could, couldn't we? Let's uh, talk a little bit, Gorsty, about Luis Diaz next. Theo mentioned him before there, the, the man of, of the match at Wembley. A, a really good performance. The only thing missing really is is a goal from him at the moment, but surely at some, at some point he's going to start hitting the net pretty regularly, given the, the positions that he gets himself into. Yeah, I was talking to Doyle about it on Saturday. and I was, I was saying how long until he's kind of recognised as Liverpool's best player, because... Every time he plays, he's, he's outstanding. Uh, and as you say, it is just missing maybe a few more goals. And, and that'll come with time. I'm not, I'm not worried thinking he, he's, he misses too many chances or anything like that. He's just he's just a live wire. And he's played he's played more games than any, any other player in, in world football this season. I think that might have been his 62nd or 3rd. It was certainly 60 after the, the Villarreal game when he came off the bench, however, however many that is since then. Um, and he, he's just... Just tireless, isn't he? You know, he did come off. He was exhausted on on Saturday when he came off. But he absolutely ran himself into the ground, and, and he was, you know, he flew out of the traps. He was Liverpool's, I say, he was Liverpool's best player. Certainly in the opening twenty five minutes, when when they were clearly on top. Um, and I'm just so excited for what the future holds for him. To be honest, once he gets a pre a full pre season under his belt, once he gets a little bit more attuned to what's needed from him, out of possession. Um, He's just going to be a top player for, for, for years to come. and um, He's now won three trophies this season because I think Porto recently clinched the title as well. So, yeah, uh, this campaign will be one he'll look back on forever, I'm sure. And he's still got it all to go for as well, hasn't he, in the next three games. So, um, Liverpool's recruitment team needs to pat themselves on the back again here because it looks like they have found themselves another gem. And I just can't believe that the lift that he's given the squad in, in what is it? little over three months. Um, he's just going to be a top player for, for years to come. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw a, a picture of him on FaceTime with the Porto team celebrating their league title over the weekend. So uh, it's not been a bad few weeks for him. We've got a full podcast actually coming out on him specifically tomorrow. So I don't want to go too much into him, Theo. But the man next to him, Sadio Mane as well, I thought was was absolutely exceptional. No surprise, of course, he has been for the last few weeks really for Liverpool. But again, just a, another performance really with the... Sadio Mane standing out uh, along with Luis Diaz, head and shoulders for me above uh, a lot of, of the other players on the pitch. Yeah, and it's maybe a performance from him without getting the headlines. I can't recall him really having many shots, but it was the work rate, it was the dropping deeper, and it was causing the Chelsea defence problems and playing it into Diaz or to Salah or to Jota. Um, he's just turned into this brilliant number nine all of a sudden. He combines so well with the, his teammates and he fits in. It's like that combination of having the deeper player of Firmino, the creative side of Firmino, but a player who's got a bit of pace and he's, can get forward into the box and have that pace of a Salah or Mane when he was a winger in the first place. Um, obviously begs the question, what do they do with the contract? Because we know he's going to want pretty hefty demands and you'd say on this form he deserves it. Um, he's been, I think, the highest scoring player in the Premier League in 2022. He's just turned into this amazing forward and he's just standing up and being counted when Liverpool needed it most, especially when you counter that with Salah's goals not quite being there. But he's been an important player for Liverpool ever since he joined the club. It was his goals that helped get him into the Champions League in that first season in the first place. 
So it was no surprise to see him step up and be counted again. It's just a shame he, he couldn't score his penalty in the shootout and be the match winner for Liverpool as he was for Senegal in the, the Cup of Nations. But uh, uh, Jurgen Klopp took responsibility for that. He said uh, he said to Mane before the shootout, this keeper knows you very well. Do the opposite of what you'd normally do. Maybe that's uh, got in his head a little bit too much and we see the save. But it didn't matter in the end because you've got Costas Simicas to step up and be the hero. But yeah, you run out of things to say about Sadio Mane because it's, it's nothing new. He's been superb for the entirety of his Liverpool career. There might have been a little drop-off during the pandemic, as was the case for a number of players, people doubting whether he could have a long-term future beyond this. And it was the start of a, a gradual decline as players get older. But he's made a mockery of that over the past, what, six months? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, James Milner uh, as well, Richard, was was excellent when he came on. He's not everybody's favourite substitute to see come off the sidelines. I think there's there's certainly players who've got a lot more credit over the last few seasons. But you know the performances that he has been putting in recently, the performance in particular over the weekend, I thought he was another one who was just absolutely exceptional. Well, he might not be everyone's favourite substitute, but he's certainly one of mine. Um, he's James Milner's an inspiration. Is what what he's done and what he's achieved, and when he when he came to this club, you know, it was like he's been at Manchester City. Is this like the end of his career? You know what I mean? He's finishing off here at Liverpool, but I think he's done more more here than he did at Manchester City. And if you look back at his record over over the course of his career, he'll stand up against anyone's. And, and but he's still he's still setting the standards. You know what I mean? He must is as fit as a flea, and. The only reason, you know, what is he now? 37, 36? Uh, the only reason he's still in and around this squad is because Jurgen Klopp thinks he's good enough to do a job and trusts him to do so. And you, you won't get any bigger compliment than that, will you? And I, I was delighted to see him score his penalty um, on Saturday. Obviously, he was up first. Uh, and Mendy got quite close to it in the end. I didn't, I didn't actually realise how close he got to it when I, when I watched it back, but it doesn't matter. He's put it in the back of the net and... and um, reading some of the things he said after the game about making sure the players, you know, take it in and enjoy it, not not just glued to the phones and try, and trying to trying to save that moment as much as they can, because because you never know when things can change and, and things do happen in life. Things can change quite dramatically. He just says all the right things. It's just a brilliant example. I just think he's a um, just a fantastic Liverpool player. He's got all the qualities that are required to be a Liverpool great, and and uh, I, all I can do is turn me up to him. Yeah, I wanted to, to mention Gorsty as well. Trent Alexander-Arnold, who I thought was yeah. was excellent. The England manager watching on, what that means for for that is is a topic for another day, obviously up against Rhys James of, of Chelsea for an England spot as well. But it surely at some point has to, to come to an end, doesn't it? This myth that he can't defend because he can literally do everything on the football pitch. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll come back to Trent now. I just, just want to have another word on Milner, as Rich mentions there, because we actually got a chance to... So speak to Milner. Well, we spoke to Milner and Trent actually, but um, it was a question I put to him about when he joined Liverpool. I think he would have been over thirty at the time, and, and I said, "Could you ever have imagined you kind of outdoing yourself at your former club?" Because he come to Liverpool, like Rich says, you know, coming off a wildly successful period at City, and probably coming to Liverpool to play a bit more, but maybe with the understanding that they're not going to be challenging for titles every season. And it speaks to his, his quality and his mentality that he's gone and outdone himself, what he's done at City. So fair play to him. He's an absolute, um, you know, just such a, a vital figure to have around. And, and Klopp will be desperate to keep him on, I'm sure. Um, and on the Trent 
point. Uh, it has to, doesn't it? I think. I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't pay much attention to to that that theory anymore. That you know, when you hear people saying you can't defend because, you know, if, if you're saying it, you're um, you're not really watching the games. You you're going off a preconceived idea that was probably formed three four years ago. Maybe off the back of that defeat at Manchester United when Rashford scored twice. Um, maybe he was at fault for one or both of those goals. Doesn't really matter now, does it? You know, he's a he's the youngest player ever to have won the Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup, League Cup and Club World Cup. Uh, he's only 23. He's taken on a greater, a more senior role, particularly since he signed the new contract last summer. Um, and he's just he's just a phenomenon. Uh, every time I watch him, I'm just, just delighted that he's uh, a Liverpool player. He's so young. He's played nearly 250 games, actually. He's only 23. Um, and he's... West Derby born, which is a cherry on the cake because um, you know we love to see uh, the local lads coming through and not only being in the Liverpool team but being a star of the Liverpool team. So I can't speak highly enough of him. He can defend, he can attack. He's the complete package really, and he's one of the best, if not the best, fullback in Europe. Yeah, and nothing really showed that more really than that move with the uh, the outside of the the foot pass from Allison, and then from him it was just just delightful to watch, wasn't it? I suppose the only sort of scare for for Liverpool Theo over the weekend was those little injuries to Mohamed Salah and Virgil Van Dijk. Both of those kind of confident that it's not sort of too long term, but Liverpool have made a signing as you reported this morning to try and get them back in contention for the Champions League final. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and and the impact that that could have? Yeah, they've brought back physio uh, Chris Roebeck. He's uh, joined on a temporary basis, I believe, just until the end of the season to help with those injuries. Um, he's, I think, back at Mines. He has been since he left Liverpool in 2020, having joined Liverpool from Mines in the first place. But he was a really popular member of the backroom team. He'd worked closely with Van Dijk and Salah. I think you can dig out quotes on Google from after the Newcastle game, the end of the title-winning year, when Van Dijk said, how important he has been for him to make sure he's fit and playing in these games. He's a very popular member of staff when he was here, and it's something they'd wanted to maybe do for a while. And that Fabinho injury has accelerated the process, so he's just come in to help these players hopefully get back to fitness in uh, time for the Champions League final. I think the fact that they came off, it shows Klopp's priorities. Yeah, it's nice to win the FA Cup. Yeah, they wanted to win the FA Cup, but it is all about the Champions League in the back of your heads. Like the fact that Salah could have carried on, Van Dijk could have carried on. They don't want to take those gambles. If you've been in the Champions League final and they have those knocks, that's when, you, okay, play through it until half-time, extra time or whatever, see how you get on. No point taking these risks. When we've mentioned earlier in this podcast how strong the Liverpool squad is, you can bring on a Joel Matip, you can bring on a Diogo Jota, Roberto Firmino. It might not be as elite quality as the players that start, but it's still very, very good. It's why Liverpool are in this position in the first place. Yes, right. Before we move on to Southampton, then a quick word again on Costa Simicas, Richard. It sort of feels only right that we finish on him. He had the final word on Saturday, so the final word on Saturday today can be on him as well. I suppose we've kind of described him at certain times as a bit of a cult hero, but I suppose this penalty kick elevates him a little bit beyond that, doesn't it? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, um, but it's a lot more than that, isn't it? I think the fact that he's been actually been able to apply pressure on Andy Robertson to to raise his performance to ensure that he doesn't lose his side uh, in this start and eleven speaks volumes of, of what a decent player Simic is in. 
you know, I can, I can remember a, a couple of decades of, of Liverpool having, you know, fairly average uh, left backs, or and even the good ones tended to be injury prone. Um, so all of a sudden, you're in a situation where you've actually got two really good left backs, and he he has proven that he's not just here to be an understudy. He is going to put uh, uh, pressure under Robertson, and Robertson. Uh, uh, Will will know that and and has has to keep delivering in order to uh, to keep Simicas at bay and that that is, that is really good news for Jurgen Klopp and and good news for Liverpool supporters. And of course, it's not just Simicas; there's other parts of the of the pitch as well where, where this is being replicated. Uh, it's just that he he's a prime example because it's I think it's not too often where you see you've got two two um, two left backs of such, such a good quality and, and he showed he's got the character to come in uh, and you know hold his nerve and score a pressure kick like he did and of course he's really popular with the supporters he's um, you know sometimes when, when players are perhaps not playing as much as they'd want to it'd be quite easy for them to uh, retreat into the shell or, or or not be you know keep a lower profile or whatever but he's never really done that he's shown how much he enjoys uh, interactions with supporters and, and playing for Liverpool and and when he's had his opportunities he's taken them and and now we can uh, maybe uh, get his statue next to Divock Origi on on the on the cult plaque maybe <laughs> outside Anfield in, in the future but no there's uh, I'm joking, of course. There's, there's plenty more to come from him, and uh, uh, yeah, I have a feeling we'll be seeing him again before the season's out. Yes, I'm sure he will make at least one of our teams for the uh, Southampton game that we'll come to very shortly. We'll move on to, to have a little bit of a, a preview of that one next. Actually, obviously, a big win in the FA Cup, Gorsty for Liverpool, but a little bit of renewed hope in the Premier League title race as well. Two games left for Liverpool, one for Manchester City. There's the kind of obvious Steven Gerrard narrative for the final day, but. Of course, for that to matter, Liverpool have got to go to Southampton and win. They have, and it's uh, it's something that's made a little bit more difficult with the injuries that they've got, isn't it? But as Theo says, it's um, they've really got the squad to deal with um, the prospect of the need to get three points at Southampton. Surely, um, Jurgen Klopp was speaking today in his press conference, and it doesn't look like Salah or Van Dijk are going to be involved, but. Um, he wasn't worried about them for the Champions League final, which is, uh, is obviously good news. Um, I just think they've got the squad to be able to go to Southampton, keep the pressure on, and then just take it to the final day. And, you know, when you're looking at it, at any point of this season, if you'd have said you're going into the final day with Liverpool still able to win the title, you'd have taken it no matter what stage of the season, certainly from January onwards. So, um Liverpool have just got to take care of their own business tomorrow. I must admit, at, at 2-0 yesterday, I was, I was still a little bit, um, you know, apprehensive in terms of thinking that West Ham are going to pull off a win. I did just think if City could get an early goal in that second half, then it might be all to play for. And, and that was how it turned out. Um, the Riyad Mahrez penalty could still be huge, couldn't it? But, um, I mean... As much as you'd love to make a case for for the story of Coutinho and Danny Ings combining and for the Steven Gerrard win against Manchester City, they're just so strong at home, aren't they? They, they fly up the traps. They normally have a game done and dusted before 25 minutes, half an hour. Uh, I suppose Villa, from Liverpool's perspective, have just got to try and hang in as best they can and then Liverpool take care of their own business against Wolves. But first things first, Tuesday night at uh, St Mary's and it's... Um, I mean, someone said to me today, actually, 
they're actually quite glad that City drew and, and didn't win. It didn't lose because, but they were glad that City drew rather than lost because then you're in the kind of scenario of Liverpool chasing goal differences and trying to be Palace nine, uh, trying to be Southampton eight or nine nil. Or as ridiculous as it sounds, because we we seen that scenario in 2014. Then we were Crystal Palace and, and our came back to haunt them. So yeah, Liverpool have just got to take care of their own business in the same way they have all season. It's it's no different from the prospects that have been in front of them, certainly since January onwards. So um, win tomorrow and then see what happens on Sunday. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. How much hope have you got, Theo? Is there a, is there a fairy tale ending or is it just a case of Liverpool do their own job and whatever happens, happens? Yeah, Liverpool winning 9-0 tomorrow and Origi scoring six. Okay. Yes, that's the, the final <laughs> twist we want with uh, <laughs> Gerard coming on the pitch and maybe like, you know that footage of the Spanish manager in like some game that was went viral a couple of months ago where he came on the pitch and stopped a counter-attack? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Steven Gerrard's going to do that in the last eight to make sure uh, City drop points. Um, Liverpool have just got to do what they've done all season. Pile the pressure on, look after their own business and then we'll see what City do. Klopp said it today, don't expect City to drop points at home even when City weren't at their very, very best under Guardiola in the years before that, when they were in this sort of situation with their first title win, when it looked like they'd slip up against QPR, they found a way. They normally find a way, but never say never. If Liverpool win against Southampton, it's pressure on. And as Gorsty said, you just want to be in this situation where you've taken it to the last day. We've said it a number of times. They were 14 points behind at one point. To take it to the last day is an incredible achievement. Uh, it's quite nice, I suppose, that City did get it back. And like Gorsty said, you're avoiding that goal difference scenario. Also, just because it'd be rather painful to lose it on goal difference as well. At least if there's a point in it, it's a fair result. But never say never. Villa could go for it. They, they could be on the beach and they could get rolled over 6-0. Or they could have a bit of fight in it. They could go on want to end the season on their own terms. Um, Coutinho, he's just signed a permanent contract with him, hasn't he? Maybe he'll end the season in style. We, we'll see. There's so many narratives here like Origi leaving at the end of his contract this summer is there going to be one final 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 chapter for him final twist to write his name into another Liverpool folklore legend sort of status um we'll see Liverpool you reckon even if they rotate should beat Southampton they should beat Wolves but City will probably beat Aston Villa yeah the other thing that comes into it is that I think Villa play midweek as well don't they so not exactly the ideal preparation for for that kind of thing but we'll come to that when we come to it Richard the uh, the only thing really that Liverpool can do is is focus on themselves but you probably expect there to be a few changes we're just about to go through our team so we won't sort of spend ages on it but you'd imagine there would be a fair few changes for Liverpool against Southampton wouldn't you against uh, against Southampton on Tuesday I should say um Yeah, there will definitely be changes, but I still think within within the realms of the you know the players who are fully fit, he's still got to pull out his strongest side. Uh, I I haven't uh, maybe I'm just a blind optimist, but I I just haven't written it off. I haven't written it off. Why on the 16th of May have Liverpool still got the opportunity to win a quadruple? It's just insane. But it but it's the truth. That's the fact of the matter. It is not inconceivable that Manchester City could fail to beat Aston Villa on the last day of the season. Manchester United side of the 90s pretty much ruined my uh, teenage years. 
Um, with, with all dominating side, unbelievable, would win everything. I, I, I was at Anfield that day on, in, in 1994 when Liverpool beat Blackburn Rovers, and but Blackburn Rovers still won the league because United drew at West Ham United. And I think if Aston Villa can release their inner Ludak McCloskey, um, they will have a chance because he was the guy at West Ham who just kept everything out and, and, and held United to a point. And, and it's going to take some something similar some sort of superhuman efforts on behalf of, of Villa to keep out a Manchester City side who, who you know, will, will be expecting to win the title. But strange things do happen. So if, if I was Jurgen Klopp, yeah, he's, he's got injuries. He, he's got players that aren't fit and he has got uh, something big down the road as well in Paris. So he has, he has to play the percentages on that. But I, I, w- I would not be chip-making huge amount of changes. I'll be putting out a side that you think will will beat Southampton and then go for it on Sunday because you never know what can happen. You've got to speculate to accumulate, as they say. And um, believe you me, if if the unexpected happens on Sunday, we'll be talking about it for years to come. Yeah, it is very, very much still a possibility, isn't it? Hopefully that is the case, as you say, on Sunday and Aston Villa can do Liverpool a favour. But of course, with two trophies in the bag and a Champions League final still to come, either way, it's not been the worst season for Liverpool, to say the very least. But let's pick our team then for Southampton, Gorsty. I'll come to you first. Obviously, Alison Becker in goal, but I'm going to make a couple of changes in my back four. What are you going to go for with yours? Well, we've got no Van Dijk, have we? So it's going to be... um... Canate and Matip. I'm weighing up whether to bring in Gomez, but I just, for the reasons I outlined before when we were talking about Trent, I just look them to ever give him a rest just because he's just so crucial to our Liverpool players near the attack. Um, So I'll go with Trent and Simakas. So there's my back five. Yeah, I didn't even have to ask you this time, did I? Normally, it's a is there a <laughs> yeah. case for Simicast? Well, the case, yeah. <laughs> there is this time. <laughs> I'm going to go with with Gomez, Matip, Conate, and Simicast. Theo, is that the same for you, or are you keeping Trent in? Uh, I think I'm keeping Trent in. I think like there is still that glimmer of a hope, so we can't go too reserve. But at the same time, I'm making lots of changes. So Simicast starts. Trent can keep his place, Allison's in goal. And then Knotte, he's played 120 minutes. He's played a lot in the past couple of weeks. Maybe he can be on the bench and it'll be Gomez and Matip at centre-back for this one. But then I wouldn't be against Gomez at right-back with Trent getting a rest as well. But yeah, he's one of the star players in this team when you think so many of them will be given a rest. Yeah, it'd be nice to see Gomez at centre-back, wouldn't it? Richard, who are you going to go for? Uh, well, obviously, Alison in goal. I'm, I'm keeping Trent in. You've, I think you've got to have him in. I, I know um, Jürgen doesn't really like to make too many changes all in one go at his back line. With, with that in mind, um, I, I'm definitely keeping Trent And I also think he might just be the key to unlocking the goal that is required to see off Southampton. Um, can I say, yeah, it's, it's a good point about how long he played, but I think he's young enough and fit enough to handle it. Um, so I'll have Canate and Mate in the middle and uh, the Greek scouser in at left-back. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to the midfield, then. I think there could be a, a couple of changes in here. Gorsty, who are you going to go for in there? I suppose it's just a case of, of who's fit, isn't it, really? Um, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't be playing Thiago. Um, Fabinho, obviously, can't play anyway. Henderson, we've been looking to, to start him as well. Um, so... 
Milner, Jones. Cater. I think it's going to have to be, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Elliot said and, and Oxley Chamber, look, neither of them have played much, and Liverpool do still need to win this game. Only, yeah. only played what 70 75 was it that, that Cater played at the weekend? So, yeah, it's gonna to have to be Cater, isn't it? Milner, Cater, and Jones. Um, similar to the Newcastle midfield a couple of weeks back, near enough, isn't it? Just Jones instead of Henderson. So, uh, that you'd think or you'd hope should should be enough to get around uh, Southampton side who've got nothing to play for. Yeah, that's the three that I was going to go for. Theo, what about you? I mean, it's interesting there that neither me or Gorsty has mentioned Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. You've got Harvey Elliott there as well. There, there are still a few options that we've not mentioned. There are, but there's no rhythm there, is there? Klopp said that in the press conference today, that they'll make changes, they'll lose rhythm. But at least the players we've just you just mentioned have been playing games. They have been rotated in and out. Oxlade-Chamberlain, Elliott, I don't think they've played since Nottingham Forest, have they? So they haven't played since the March international break. More times than not, they're not even making the bench. Um, and in the case of Oxlade Chamberlain, no one would be surprised if he left in the summer. Whereas Elliot, it's a case of getting back from that long term injury, um, getting a full pre season, then he can go again next year. Uh, it's down to the remaining four, isn't it? Uh, you'd be reluctant to start Anderson given that he played 120 minutes, but there is no alternative as the number six. So can James Milner do that role? I agree with what we said earlier. He was brilliant at Wembley, but he's brilliant when he goes further forward. It's a tough one. It's, I think let's go with the three names that you think will make sense. They'll be the freshest ones of Cater, Jones, with Milner sitting. But you, you might just have to ask Henderson to go again because it is usually him or Fabinho as the number six. And we know Henderson's the only one available. Henderson or no Henderson, Richard? Oh, Henderson's in for me. Um, I'm going to book the trend a little bit here because I've already bigged this game up as massively important. So if you're only looking as far ahead as the next game, that, that that's what I'm doing. I'm actually, despite the minutes they've played, I don't like the, when when the when the midfields change, it's just felt disrupted and, and not felt right. Keaton and Jones together the other week just didn't feel like it was working for me. I'm going to go with Henderson, Keaton, and Thiago. Interesting. The big hitters. Gorsty into the uh, the forward three. Obviously, Mohamed Salah, we don't think, is, is going to be involved. And Diogo Jota doesn't particularly like playing on the right-hand side, but does it have to be him for this one? Yeah, I think so. I, c- I can't really make a case for Origi and or Minamino starting. Um, for me, I was way off the pace, I thought, on Saturday. It just didn't really seem like he was anywhere near 100%. Are we asking Mane to go again? It's it, it it's it's fraught, isn't it, with, with problems this team selection because it's such a tight turnaround. I think Liverpool are quite fortunate in that they're playing Tuesday and Sunday because that's so much better than the dreaded Wednesday Saturday afternoon. The club absolutely hates. But the uh, the flip side of that is it's so close to the FA Cup final as well, isn't it? After 120 ruling minutes. Um yeah, I think Jota's going to have to play. Um, do you know what? I'm going to play Origi and Mane. Interesting. I'm going to go Jota, Firmino and Diaz, I think, but definitely think we'll see Origi at some point on the bench. Theo, which three for you? 
I've already told you, Origi's scoring six and Florin got oh, that goal difference. So Origi's how, how is <laughs> only a sub for this. I know it's his former club, but as I was saying about rhythm, don't really want to throw him in when he's not played in weeks. Uh, I thought Jota actually did really well on the right against Chelsea. He was unlucky, wasn't he, with one chance that he just fizzed wide. He's linking up well. Um, he's finding it not as explosive form from earlier in the season, but considering he looked a bit shaky after that injury, he's getting a bit back to his best. So Jota can start on the right. And it's going to have to be Firmino down the middle. Origi's going to have to go on the left. Um, when you've got those doubts over like Mohamed Salah, you can't put the pressure on Sadio Mane, I think, to keep playing again because then you're risking him getting a knock as well. And then when you're having both of them potentially doubts for that Champions League final, it's not worth it. Just protect Sadio Mane. Protect Diaz knowing you can bring him off the bench with half an hour to go and then he can start against Wolves. He's still got faith that Firmino, Origi, Jota, front three, he's got goals in it. He can do a job, hopefully. We'll see. Yeah, you'd certainly like to think so. Richard, which three are you going to go with, Origi or not? Well, no. Um, I picked a, what I thought was the strongest midfield I could pick, and it's no different for the front three. You, I'll, you I'll just want to float them into the ground, you, Rich. Mate, oh, well, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> mate, look, I, I suppose what it is, I just... Everything's looking beyond it. And, I, and I, I, I can't look beyond Southampton. I just can't. Um, and they, they need, if you can get that game boxed early and then make changes, then that, yeah. uh, that's just my approach to it. What, what, I, what I'm worried about is a situation where you laboured for an hour and then you, you're trying to bring your big guns on to win it and then you, you run out of time or something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. I'm worried about it. So... Um, I've got Diaz um, on the right, Mane down the middle and Joss on the left. Sorry, uh, Diaz on the left, sorry, Joss on the right and Mane down the middle. Sorry, Sadio. Yeah, no Roberto Firmino then for you from the start. But imagine he could come off the bench at some point. Those are our teams. Then we'll see who's closest to being correct. Just before we finish, though, we'll do our match predictions. I'm going to go for a nervy one. Sorry, Richard. I think it's going to be 1-0 to Liverpool. I think it's going to be a really tricky one, actually, with such a short turnaround and possibly a couple of changes as well. Gorsty, 1-0 for me. What are you going to say? See, I was going to say that this is the type of game that City play in and they've won it after half an hour, but City actually threw at Southampton, didn't he? That was the game where you just kind of started to think maybe something's brewing here, but um, yeah, they don't, have, they don't have the goal difference issue to really overly concern themselves with. So, yeah, maybe 2-0. Theo, Liverpool win? 9-0. Southampton haven't done that this season. Um, I think along with Wolves, who are the two teams that have got left, bottom of the form table over the last 10 games, apart from Watford and Norwich, the two relegated teams. So, yeah, let's believe in miracles. I'm sticking with 9-0. Southampton have done it for the past two years. Let's see it again. It'll be nice. Get the goal difference back anyway, just for that bit of insurance. 9-0. OK, I was not expecting you to say that. Richard, are you closer to 1-0 or 9-0? I thought I was wild. <laughs> um, I'm still sleep deprived after Wembley. Clearly, can get back until four. <laughs> oh, okay. Tell me about it. Um, I'm not going to say nine nil. I'm not going to say one nil. But I do fancy Liverpool because of the strong team I've selected. Uh, I do fancy Liverpool to try and do, do a job on this in the first half. 
and I'm gonna well, I'm gonna I'll say I'll have to after going around the houses, I'm just gonna agree with Gorstein say two 0 But I think I think they will try and get the job done early and then manage the game from there on. That's that's my uh, take on it. Yeah, that'd certainly be ideal, wouldn't it? Well, four Liverpool wins for all of us predicted. Hopefully that does come true and we take it to the last day. We'll have, of course, more on that over the next couple of days. Plenty more stuff to come across all of the usual places, pre- and post-match as well. There's some interviews with Jordan Henderson and Andy Robertson on the Blood Red channel. If you haven't spotted those yet, do go across and check those out. The usual content around Southampton to come as well on Tuesday. Until next time, though, from all of us here, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.